1: become a writer from someplace other than Los Angeles and New York, I still think that's really difficult. Welcome to Entertainment Business
0: Wisdom with your host, Kaya Alexander.
1: All right, so welcome everybody. My name is Kaya Alexander. I am the host of Entertainment Business Wisdom. And I'm here today with my special guest, Scott Gardenauer. We're recording live in front of my students in the Entertainment Business School. Let me tell you about Scott. Scott is a feature film producer and co founder of the Emmy award winning commercial production company, The Institute. His film work includes Armageddon, Coyote Ugly, Pearl Harbor, Jumper, Pain and Gain, and 13 Hours. Gardenauer began his career working on large scale music videos and commercials. He produced many award-winning commercials, including the Aaron Burr and Baby and Cat Spots for the original Got Milk campaign, winning numerous awards, including a Clio and a Gold Lion. He later joined Propaganda Films, and under his leadership, the commercial division was awarded the Palme d'Or in Cannes for Best Commercial Production Company. After co-founding the Institute, Garden Hour guided the company with campaigns for Nike, Asahi, Mercedes, Victoria's Secret, and Audi, a Gold Lion winner in Cannes, to name a few. The institute was also awarded an Emmy for Hallmarks Required Reading. Welcome, Scott.
0: Hey, thank you.
1: Hey, it's so great to be here with you.
0: Yeah, it's so great to be here. Love to see all the faces. It's great.
1: Great. I was thinking back like to when I met you, when you had the institute in Venice. Do you actually remember meeting me?
0: Uh yes, I do. <laughs> That's a that's a hard one to not remember.
1: <laughs> going back, I was like remembering the day we met. You were always like so busy. And I was so impressed with everything that you had going out of the Institute. And um, what, like when you think of your career and everything that you've worked on, what would you say you're the most proud of?
0: That's so funny because I get asked this question and it's probably not going to be anything that anyone would expect. But it's actually the hallmark thing uh, because... Not because it won an Emmy. I mean, although, although that's that was the icing on the cake.
1: That doesn't suck.
0: But you know, writers will of course um relate to this, which is, you know, you pitch things and people, you know, like, uh, oh, it's I like it. Yeah, it's good, yeah, you know, or you get the not for us. And so that was an interesting thing because. One of the creatives from the advertising agency came to me and said that he had pitched the idea to his fellow creatives and creative director at the agency, and they subsequently pitched it to Hallmark, and basically Hallmark didn't like it. And because of his position, the agency, I found out later, reluctantly pitched it to Hallmark. They weren't really in on it, but they they didn't really think it fit the brand, but um, they did it anyway because he was um probably one of the most successful writers that they had in terms of the amount of campaigns that he was able to pitch and sell to them. So they did it and it fell flat. And so when he brought it to me and said, You know, I, I just really believe in this thing. Will you read it and give me your thoughts? And I read it and I was like, This is crazy that nobody liked this thing. I mean, this is pretty nuts. And um So so I said, you know what, I'll finance it. I'll produce it. And we'll send it to them. And hopefully, um, they'll see the light. And so we did. Um, It was a long format thing that back then Hallmark was doing. I don't even know if they're still doing it anymore. But they used to do these things called Hallmark Hall of Fame. And they used to do these uh, long format things Each year, they would do one thing each year to promote the Hallmark Hall of Fame thing. And um, so they pitched it. um, It fell flat. We produced it, turned out great. We turned it back to them and said, you know, we'd love to um, have you take this to the client. And the agency, again, you know, reluctant because now they're in this position of like, well, we're the advertising agency, we're supposed to know good ideas and how do you get them to now go back on what they've you know just you know said or what the client has just uh, said to them which is they're not interested and so to their credit they did and literally when we showed the client he cried in the room it was like insane i mean like it's never happened before where i've seen that kind of emotion from someone, um, and you can find it online. I mean, it's, I forget when we did it, but it's called required reading. You can see it on YouTube, but um, but he literally broke down in tears. And uh, and so then it was, how, how can we get this? Because clearly they didn't produce it. So we had to sign over the rights. They wanted the um, ability to be able to air it. And as a result of airing it, it became eligible for the Emmys, and out of hundreds of submissions of brands that submitted content that they actually paid, you know, bought and paid for, um, this won, this beat everybody. And uh, so that was a pretty incredible feat, I think, because that's you know crazy. we all come we all have that adversity right you all have that adversity and you have to decide whether to stick to it or not and and credit to the writer you know the writer who you know knew he had something credit to not giving up you know credit to us being able to take it and say you know look we're gonna we're gonna show these guys they're wrong and uh and and it worked so you know, it was a fantastic success story
1: oh my god that was just so cool how for for you? How have you reconciled? So yeah,
0: so all the all the movies. And quite frankly, one of things is never. I've never been in that position before, and um, so we're super proud of it.
1: For you, how have you reconciled your brand of like you're the guy who did Armageddon, and you also have this Hallmark movie?
0: You know, I think it just gets down to really good stories. I think it really gets down to. I'm big on. Um, I'm big on things that really move you. And, um, you know, I think that's really what matters is if you can cause an audience to respond emotionally. I think that's, that can be in a lot of different forms. And so that's really where I felt I wasn't out of my place in taking this really emotional. Non-action, non-commercial kind of story, and running with it because it felt really like it was something that people could relate to.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know you as someone who has really great story instincts, so that makes so much sense. Well, I want to talk to you about your relationship. You know, yeah, yeah,
0: go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I said you're not always right, but you know, but that's part of the game. You know, it's part of the part of the. The, this, this world we all live in um, is knowing when to stick your stake in the ground and stick with it. And more times than not, um, I, I would say you have people that the stars won't align, but if you really truly believe in the idea, then I think you got to just go for it. You got to like believe in yourself. It sounds a little cliche, but it really is. It really does come into play here.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. In your career, one of your legacies is working with some amazing directors. And I know that that came out of like early music videos, even for you in your career. I'd love for you to talk to us about nurturing the careers of directors, what it's been like for you working with directors and any suggestions and tips you have for directors in their careers. We have a bunch of directors on the call and writer directors as well.
0: Yes. So uh, I really enjoy working with uh, with new young directors, you know, people not, not young in age, but young in their career, you know, in terms of like where they might be. I've met people that have left careers and started others. I, I know a writer who was um, a software engineer, computer science, and she took a writing class and she just decided, geez, you know, I really like this. And She went on to do several movies and, and so it's lovely to, to, um, to work with young people and be able to, um, young people in their respective fields who are just starting out to, um, you know, to help them any way you can. So working with directors, um, you know, I always found that, you know, my advice to them was, uh, to always... Stick to your vision, but at the same time, try to be as open as you can to things that might make it better, or more importantly, aren't necessary. So be able to realize and make those hard choices that things aren't always, even though you've written it or even though you love the story, there are things that are purgeable that really won't hurt the, um, you know, the final product. And it's really, I always try to encourage directors to really try to get a sense of what those things are. Because in my career, I always say to people, no one's ever told me there's too much money. You know, it's like, so what that means is you're always going to have hard choices to make. And having a sense of, what those are early is really great, and knowing what to really spend your time on in terms of what's really, truly important to the story and the things that really are really won't they really won't um, enhance it to the point where uh, it's worth the time. I've seen a tremendous amount of mistakes where someone has decided that they're just going to stick their stake in the ground and they're not going to listen. And what ends up happening is your time gets split. You only have so much time. And so at the end of the day, if you're fighting for the things that aren't necessarily as important, but you just think you want to get them, you've now compromised the things where you can spend more time. and so you've now kind of, you know, you've sort of put 50% into everything as opposed to 100% into less. And, um, and so I think that's one of the hardest things for young directors who are just starting out to, to really find is that, that line in the sand that you draw in your own creative head. And, you know, it's nobody else is doing it some, you know, you've got to know where that is, because there's always going to people, there's always going to be others that you're working with, they're going to have their own ideas of what's good and what's not. And so it's really important to understand from your place that you sit, um, where you're willing to compromise and where you're not, because there are always the, I mean, look, in the natural process, there's, you've got you know, production designers, you've got directors of photography, you've got costume designers, you've got effects people, you've got all these people, right, who are going to have opinions. They're all going to have opinions. They're all going to say, well, we can't do that because of this. Oh, ah, well, we can't do that. And you got to know when to push people and say, we're not giving this up. Or, you know, I, I already had this in my, in my back pocket that it was something that I was willing to lose. They're telling me it's going to be an issue. I'm jettisoning it. You know, so that's really the I would say that's one of the most important things to try to lock in on as you sitting alone by yourself in the room, looking at your script, really knowing what those things are. And I think that's hugely important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That makes so much sense. You know, I know a lot of your directors who you've worked with also direct commercials. Could you speak to, like, the career of a director and an intelligent strategy for setting up your career?
0: Uh, Yes. So I would say in my career and working with a lot of directors, I've worked with – a tremendous amount of directors that came from music videos, then to commercials, then, you know, into movies. And I don't think there's really any right or wrong path, but I would, what I would say is, if anyone gets the chance to be able to do a shorter format um, thing, uh, it's, it's really a good discipline, right? Because it's much easier to expand than it is to contract. And I've seen a tremendous amount of, I've worked with a lot of feature directors who never made, who never did a commercial before. And they get an opportunity to do a commercial. You know, there's an advertising agency or a client who just thinks they're, they're the bee's knees and they should do co- this commercial for them. And I've seen a tremendous amount of feature directors um, really be lost uh, because they didn't understand the discipline that it takes to try to tell or get across. Not, not always a tell a story, but you know, a lot of times there's a message um, and get the message across in a 30 or 60 second format. And I think that that's a great discipline
1: mm-hmm. to have.
0: I think it's wonderful to be able to start off in that world, really figure out how to condense again, how to make those choices of this is a two-second shot, this is a three-second shot. I'm going to spend five seconds on this, and be able to do it in in a very confined um, time space. Because then from there, it's you know it's a discipline that you'll never lose. It's a discipline that will always be with you. I always say my in my advertising um, uh, experience, it's a muscle that never goes away um and and i'm glad that it doesn't because it's made me a better producer um it's made me stay and remain focused on what's important um and and you really do uh you really do think more about the story from the standpoint of who are you speaking to so you're looking at it from a so like brand advertising teaches you to think about the audience, right? Who is who am I selling to? And when you take that that same thinking and apply it to storytelling, it's it's very helpful to be able to think about, well, the, you know, who's my audience? And am I starting to do things that really don't matter to them or won't matter to them? And and so uh, you know, so I find it very beneficial from, you know, from that standpoint. And as I said, it's much easier to expand time, you know, be able to, you know, once you've done that, you, it's almost like I call it the, um, the analogy I use is the, uh, sports analogy. So sorry, but, um, it's, um, it's the ring on the bat. You know, when a player is getting up to bat, they put that ring on that adds weight so that the bat becomes lighter when you take the ring off and you're actually at the plate to swing, um, I kind of equate it to that. It's like now I can take the ring off and now I've got more time and I can expand. But the thinking of how to hit the ball and what's going to be important doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't go away. So I think that's hugely uh, important. So short format, I'm a big, big fan of. If you get opportunities to do commercials, you directors out there, I would say do it. It, you, you know, it's, first of all, if you get in that world, it's a great way to make money in between. So it's a wonderful, you know, income stream. And it's also um, lovely to be able to get some insight into how brands are viewing the consumer base. I I call it um, cultural shifts. Brands are really good at recognizing cultural shifts really early because they're, messages have to resonate now not six months from now they've got to, they've got to be able to recognize shifts that are going on before uh, a, before entertainment does because entertainment takes a long time right so um, brands have to be relevant now they can't worry they can't be irrelevant and then all of a sudden try to catch up and be relevant later. Um, they have to have their finger on the pulse so it's a great that's also a great insight to be able to get when you're working with brands and doing commercials, is you really see their thinking and how they're re-messaging for the, a product that may have been around 10 or 15 years. You just, you know, it's it's a it's a really good insight. And I think entertainment is the same thing. It's really important to maintain um uh you know a vision for who your audience is and make sure that you're not you're not getting lost in your own thoughts about what would be cool when it doesn't have any relevance to ultimately your audience or your story.
1: I love that. We've talked about that before. And I come out of digital marketing with a lot of experience there. And keeping the audience in mind is ultimately, these are people who would be in your fan base too, that acting to that you're, you know, bringing, you're building a relationship with them over the course of your career is the best case scenario. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, how would you define your sweet spot as a producer? We, You know, there's so many different kinds of producers or non-writing producers or producers who write. What's your wheelhouse that you feel like is your superpower as a producer?
0: Um, I would say my superpower is putting teams together. Um, I, you cast as much behind the scenes as you do in front, right? And as a producer... Not every DP is right for every project. Not every production designer is right. Not every actor is right. Not you know. So it really is being able to cast a perfect team for what you're putting together. And um, and I think it's something that really doesn't hasn't, doesn't really get talked about a lot. But it really is important to be able to. To recognize that just because somebody has 20 great credits, they just may not be the right person for your movie. And as much as you would like them, and maybe you can afford them, they just might not be the right person. And so it's knowing when to, you know, to release. And it could, and lots of times it's people you have relationships with, Ah, you know, I know what they can do, and I know I know that they'll bring something great to it, but yeah, a little worried about it. Um, and so it's just kind of knowing how to cast behind the scenes, really. Did that my strength. You
1: developed? Do you like leaned into that instinct, or you feel like you kind of had that coming in?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's something that you. I think it's something that you definitely, I think there's things you, that resonate to you personally, right? I always say every artist, every everybody has kind of their strengths and weaknesses. And I think those come from, uh, from who you are as a person. You know, I think it's like actors, you know, actors are people, right? And not every actor is right for a role, but, you know you you see them in 10 different roles you still see a hint of who they are right you know they're they're still the same person um and that's something you can't get rid of so i think it's a skill set that that i have that i think i've always had you know i've always um you know i've always been big on on putting like i've always felt it was really important to get the right people on but i've also felt that it's really important to respect the team Right, there's a lot of because it is a team effort, and so I've always enjoyed the camaraderie of that. So I think out of that team building comes what kind of camaraderie are you going to create? And so I really appreciate that, and really think that benefits uh, a project. And so I think that um, that's probably a part of my DNA. You know, I you know I love the camaraderie, I love all that stuff. So I want to get the right people on board.
1: I love that. There are so many things that happen in the process of making a movie, especially in production, that are surprising, that come out of nowhere, that come out of the blue, or that have to be handled in reshoots. And I'd love for you to speak to that and also tell us the story about working on Armageddon and what happened with the studio.
0: Uh, um, so the first part, you want me to what do you say that say the first part again? Sorry.
1: Just talk to us about the surprises that happen when you're making a movie when uh, you're in the production.
0: They're always there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they're always gonna be there. There is no project that doesn't have surprises. And um and it's um uh, it's really being able to adapt. You know, filmmaking isn't is is really all about adapting. And uh and so I think that again, it's well, what I was saying earlier, knowing where your line is, um, and knowing that there are things that are going to, to come into play that are that are you know going to cause you to have to think differently. But there's also those things that come into play that are going to cause you to think differently that you just may have to say, can't do it. You know, I mean. Um, that's really uh, if it loses the essence of what you're trying to do, um, you you know you have to be able to really either stand your ground and make sure that people do it for you. I think this is one of the things that's really in terms of the unexpected. I think one of the most important things is really as a director, as a writer, you know you're always getting feedback, right? You're always getting people to say. Oh, I like this, but I don't like that. Oh, I think that would be good. I think that everybody's a, there's there's just a, the nature of the beast is is um other people weighing in on what they're trying to do, and I I can't stress it enough. You you have to be the one that keeps it keeps the the you know that tunnel and the vision in line because so many people are coming at you at so many different angles, it's going to change. And, you know, you do have to be able to know where you can adapt and where you can't. So you're going to have a bazillion people. It's going to be actors. It's going to be producers. It's going to be, uh, you know, prop guy says, I I can't get you that, you know, it's like, you know, so you've got to be able to, you know, adapt and, um, and yet remain focused on what ultimately is hugely important to you. So, Kaya touched on it. The funny thing happened to us on Armageddon, which was, you know, in the edit room, and the studio actually brought it up, which is typically not the case because you know it means, oh geez, this probably means more money. Um, and uh they you know, the movies coming together well, and one of the studio executives goes, huh, goes. We have a movie about the end of the world, but we don't have any scenes from the rest of the world. <laughs> so it's like, oh, I see. So it's really just it's it's the end of the United States, you know. And um, you know, Armageddon isn't the end of the United States; it's the end of the world, you know. So, so it was like, oh my God! And and you know, it's getting down to crunch time. So we had to scramble to put together this whole international unit. So if you watch the movie. And you see all those international scenes, that was all by, you know, that was all last minute, you know, run, run and go grab scenes from various places around the world to, uh, to make it, you know, make Armageddon really Armageddon. (laughs) So it was, uh, it was actually pretty funny. Where'd you go? We went to, uh, we went to France, we shot uh, three different places in France. We went to Istanbul and shot several things around uh, the city. And then we did some things in, in outside of, uh, in Turkey. And then we went to India.
1: The Taj Mahal, right? Yeah. How long did you have?
0: Mm, took us from start to finish. We shot all that in a month and a half. Wow. Yeah. So it was pretty, it was pretty nuts. And, and the director was in the midst of editing. So he didn't even show up on the, on the set until the very first day of the shoot. So oh, everything, was, everything was already, we had everything together. He just showed up and he just had to point the camera.
1: All the multitasking that had to go into that.
0: Yeah, everything was done.
1: Sounds really stressful though.
0: It was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy. <laughs> but when they started seeing the footage, everybody started to relax. You know, oh, okay. oh God, okay, I think we got it.
1: <laughs> in the end of the world great
0: yes there is a lot of nail biting in fear you know in in this world as you guys probably already know there's a lot of nail biting for sure.
1: Well that goes well into my next question which I really want to talk about career longevity. I support a lot of above the line creatives a lot listen to the podcast and there's always the question of okay how do I how do I get relevant you know how do I break in but then it's like how do I stay relevant? how do I focus on career longevity do you, can you speak to that?
0: Uh, you know, I just, I don't know. It's so hard to tell people, you know, what to do in terms of staying relevant, but I will, I will say again, it really gets down to knowing yourself and knowing what you are comfortable with. I think unfortunately what ends up happening a lot of times is people get bored with doing what some, what they do really well. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, I want to do this i, I can tell you I, from first-hand experience um many directors in the commercial business have done this to themselves and it's really a shame is you know when i i managed uh i ran a company uh propaganda films which you know people still talk about today it's funny i mean i run into people all the time from uh from propaganda and it is i don't even know how to describe it to you guys but it's like there is this mystique about this place Um the, I've had people say, do you have any, do you have any of those jackets left? I would love to have one of those jackets. Or, you know, I've run into people all around the world go, Oh my God, propaganda films. Uh, you know, I mean, it's insane. The, the um, legacy that this place left. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's still to this day, stuff comes up all the time and it's just like, there's just nothing. There's really just nothing like it. It's and, and anybody that was in that world says the same thing. It's it's crazy. You get somebody who goes, you 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 were. I just had a director um, a couple of weeks ago. Goes, oh my god, propaganda. Goes, I want to hear those stories. I mean, it's like it's got this whole thing. So I, what I was gonna say is about what Piya was saying is is a story I can say is is that one that I saw repeat itself several times with commercial directors and I think it happens with all disciplines. I think it happens with DPs. I think it happens with writers. I think it happens with directors. I think it happens with every, every aspect of the business. People get to the point where they're bored. They don't want to do what they know how to do. They've been there. And I saw it happen so many times with directors where they're like, I'm not doing it anymore. These guys are making a lot of money. You know, like these guys are doing, incredibly well. And they're like, nah, I'm bored. I don't want to do it. And it's like, you got to, you have to stay focused on what you do really well and take the shots that are that of, on things that you want to try while you're still staying in the old waters. Because if you cut the old waters off too soon, then the new waters haven't, you know, they're not there yet. So now you find this big gap of like, you're not doing anything, you know, because um, I'm, you know, I'm not doing what I used to do. I, you know, I'm done with that. And so many of these guys saw their incomes just diminish instantaneously. And, you know, when you're navigating into a new arena that you're not known for, it takes some time and it takes some work and it takes some, some, you know, some manipulating some people to believe that you can do it. And if you're like going, yeah, leaving that behind, that's not going to speed up the new. It's not going to make it happen any faster. And so, um, you know, so I think it's really important to keep that in mind because look, we got this is, you know, wanna, you're making a living, right? I mean, so it's, there's got to be some practical thinking that goes into this art world that we want, you know, that we live in, right? So that's part of it is when you want to, you know, you want to try things. You don't want to cut your, you know, own um, you know, nose off despite your face, because you just got it stuck in your head that you just don't want to do it anymore. It's great. If you can afford to do it, great. If you can't, then you know, then figure out a way to balance the two. And I would say the the um the thing that I would argue is also really beneficial by trying to do it where you're still practicing in a arena that you know and can do with your eyes closed is energy creates energy you know there's you know if you're working and you're doing things you know there's still this energy that evolves while you're doing this stuff that can can help that transition If you just cut all that off, then you're just sitting around twiddling your thumbs and going, oh, my God, you know, what do I do? And all of a sudden it's like I'm bored and, you know, and I'm not thinking creatively and I don't have the juices going. And it's amazing. It's a it's a very intangible result
1: like beware the departure. That's funny, I was just looking up, I, I watched a movie, it was so funny, and I was like, oh, this director is great. And then I went and looked her up to see what her next projects were. And I think I ran into a Variety article that was, it was like her first feature. And then the yeah. Variety article was like, oh, but her next feature is a departure and yes. i was like well why would you do this to yourself yeah. you know yeah. you just are making a name for yourself and you're establishing your brand and now you're going to go do something totally different no one's going to know who you are now yeah um, and that's that's a huge risk and it's
0: a huge risk that somebody's going to give you a chance to take the departure you know so that's the thing is, is like uh, you know unless you've got a signed contract that somebody's like yes we're good with this i mean it's a, very, um, it's a very risky thing. And I think that's one of the things that people do is they, they stop too early what they do really well. And, uh, and so I think um, it's, it's, um, it's just not a good thing. It's not a good thing. It's really important to, um, you know, to remember what got you there and not look at it as a negative, but it's a huge positive and a huge strength to build on.
1: Right, build on that momentum. Yeah. My last question for you is a question for writers, which is, what advice do you have for writers? Mm -hmm. Any tips for writers, uh, especially writers who are starting out?
0: Um. Well, I mean, I think pitching is is an incredible skill, Um, and I would say uh that's you know a lot of times writers they have great material but they can't pitch you know they they you know they can't sell their ideas so i think there's a couple of things um to really think about which is one if you if you're not great at the pitch get somebody to come in with you that can help pitch you know like do it for you or at least accent what your strengths are to what their strengths are um because uh if you can't pitch it's a very tough thing i mean you you know it's it's sales i I mean that's it's what it is you know it's sales um and then the other thing is to do your research on who you're talking to one of the things that i think is is again i think this is something that a lot of people um don't really think about is not every person that's going to listen to your pitch is going to be the right person to hear your pitch, right? Um, there, everybody has their taste, and there are an like people. I think what happens, I, I, I you know, I find and this is where I think the brand stuff really comes into play is that discipline of knowing that everybody has their own taste. Everybody has their own stuff that they like that's going to resonate to them. Not every – I would say 95% of executives uh, will have sort of their strengths and weaknesses in terms of like what they – what they like in terms of things that they would green light and things that they won't. And you could be pitching the best idea ever and you're talking to the wrong person and it's not going to see the light of day. So it's really, really important to know who it is you're going to be pitching to. And it's important to really understand if they're in a position where they have a track record to be able to do your research and know. That that is, um, you know, that is uh, that is going to come into play. No question about it. It's going to come into play. Someone's taste is not going to align with yours, and it doesn't matter how great your your uh, idea is. It's just not going to land with them. So you got to find the people that uh, you know that really are um, on the same page, so to speak. I'll, I can tell you a quick story along these lines, which is I was so frustrated. Um, and again, this is putting the advertising hat on. It was so frustrated. I pitched this idea that I know is a massive uh, an, a massive idea. It, you know, it was just like, I know this is a great idea. But I also knew that the business itself as a whole, probably wasn't ready for the idea but i knew that there was an audience and this goes back to the brand discipline i knew there was an audience for it and i was so frustrated that none of these executives saw what i saw that i actually hired a research company and i did focus groups and i um and i put it in front of uh focus a focus group that uh you know that Essentially, was the age range for the you know the idea um, you know was going for, her. and um, and it was exactly what I thought. It people who weren't people who weren't even really familiar with the world that was was the center of the movie loved it. Uh, people said, "I never there were things that go, oh my god, what an amazing history! I never knew that." You know, it was like all the things that I thought um, or things that these executives were going to see, didn't see it. So the audience did, and, and, you know, this is another thing. It's tough with the businesses. You go back to those same people after they've said no, and you show them the results that still not into it, still not into it. You know, it's just one of those things, you know, people's egos getting away and, you know, they, they you know, they just, it's just not something that's in their wheelhouse. And so they're just not going to see it no matter what you do. So massively important to know who your executives are that you're talking to, and don't assume that they're going to see things the way that you do. And, um, and be prepared to really go and find the people that you know, are on your same page or have work on things that are similar um, in style and in scope and in scale and you know all those things that I think um, will help you because in- inevitably everybody does have their own taste and it's not going to change. You're not going to change it. I love, uh, you know, love these discussions. I mean, I learn from these uh, discussions as much as you do and, uh, and I really enjoy them. And, um, and so I would say, you know what, it's me. I mean, again, it's like my taste. And that's what I was saying earlier is like kind of know, you know, you know, your your wheelhouse. Um, I, I I like that. You know, I, I like to um, have stories that move people in a way that make them feel good or, you know, you know, I, you know, there's something about the underdog. Right. Um, you know, Piper. Uh, you know, in Coyote Ugly, you know, I just, I love those stories where eventually, you know, things work out um, and, uh, and says something about, uh, you know, people's paths in life. And uh, so I, I really, um, I really like that. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. I think that probably is just, you know what, it's probably the way I was raised, you know, I was kind of raised in a, in a family with five kids and you know we kind of had to make do with what we had we didn't have a lot and uh and you know we worked as kids and so to me it's uh i think it probably comes from who you are like how you were, you know like how you were brought up and what resonates with you i think it really is a part of your dna and um i mean look i've seen i mean you think about some of the movies i've seen you know just dark demented movies it's like i just uh, it's not really something that you know like horror has never really excited me because it's like ah you know the blood and the guts and whatever i'd rather you know I mean, it's great to scare people but it you know at the end of the day i i, I just it's not me so i think that's hugely important is to kind of know what's in your wheelhouse and what really moves you and what doesn't keep shooting stuff you know don't Uh, don't wait for somebody to come to you with something, keep doing it, you know, because something is going to resonate somewhere. Right. And if you're not doing it um, it's like I was saying earlier, if you cut yourself off and then you try to do something new um, I say, just keep doing it, you know, like I'll bet you, right. I'll bet you wake up in the middle of the night and you've got ideas, right? Mm -hmm, Sure. I mean, it's so, I think the important thing is to really, um, try to bring those to life while you're also pursuing, uh, you know, the commercial thing. And you know, it's um, what I was saying about s- selling. You know, s- pitch yourself to as many companies and as many you know places as you can. But it's going to be harder if you don't have anything to show. So you've got a commercial. You you know you've got other ideas. Um, the more that you can keep. Um, Adding to that bank, the better. Yeah. That the director is the one that's going to bring the actors in, so the actors aren't going to manage your movie. You know, the director is the producers. Um, so uh, you know that's that's what's going to protect your investment. The actor is someone that's going to sell the movie. So it's two different things: protecting your investment, uh, protecting your investor in a way that you're making the movie that you're set that you promised you're going to make and the actors that they cast are going to um, be a part of the equation of what's going to make them their money back. Growing up in a small town, I'd seen a lot of small towns just kind of going down the toilet. You know, they're just like nothing was happening there. And I um, actually spoke to the fact that I think that small towns had an opportunity to reinvent themselves. Mm -hmm. And, and Lo and behold, how weird is it a pandemic can actually do that? And and uh, and that's what's actually transpired is people like you and I suspect a lot of people you know on this um, you know on this podcast are uh, people live elsewhere and you know what doesn't matter anymore. Absolutely doesn't matter anymore. Um, you know you can live wherever you want and you can pitch your ideas the exact same way. And I would argue. It's easier to get meetings today than it was before because people are much more willing to do a Zoom meeting last minute than they are a lunch, a drinks, you know, breakfast, coffee, whatever. It's like I can't tell you how many meetings I had cancel hours before the meeting, and then it was like another month before it was rescheduled. So uh, you you are absolutely uh, not going to sacrifice anything by not being in Los Angeles, and um, and uh, you're in a, you know, all of you are in a great. Great um, period of time where working remotely is absolutely 100% acceptable, and I would argue the the movie business was the last to come on board. Commercials were doing this stuff long ago, Mm -hmm. long ago. I mean, casting was happening um, remotely. um, You know, conference calls would happen, and jobs were being awarded before anybody even saw each other. You know, because we didn't have Zoom. Um, And you know, now and commercials just kept adapting a more and more remote uh way to work because it saved clients money and and all that, so now here you are you're in this this world that I think is a is a huge benefit to be able to gain access to people that can give you way more time uh you know give you ten or fifteen minutes on a zoom call than they would you know trying to schedule something to have you come into their office or go meet them somewhere i'm looking i mean first it's like I'm just looking for things that are going to resonate to me. Right. And this goes back to, um, you know, to, uh, you know, the other question, which is. You know, what really what really floats your boat and it's and for me, it's really about stories that are the human condition and people overcoming odds and, you know, those things. I I love those stories. I, I guess, you know, if you were to if I were to add to that, I'd say, you know, life affirming things, you know, people, some things that people can hang their hats on and say, oh gosh, you know, I'm not the only one, you know, I'm not alone. And so I think uh, uh, that to me is, is really, you know, what I, what I really like. Um, it's funny because, um, you know, I think there's lots of ways to do that. I think, it, you know, I think you can do that with humor, you know, I don't necessarily think it has to be, you know, a, dr- a dramatic thing. I think humor can also do that. Um, and so uh, I'm just a big believer in in things that, uh, and it's probably, again, like I go back to it's probably, again, from my upbringing. You know, I go back to, you know, my upbringing and, and uh, how I was raised. And I think that really is what drives my taste in, in uh, material. I have a movie that, um takes place um in the 15th century and believe it or not it's got a lot of themes it's centered around um it's 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 a it's a whole viking thing um but it's it's i mean you can't really say too much about it but what it has is it has this element of marginalized people right who just want and just want to be left alone and want to be able to exist in the world just like anybody else but you know they're, they're the climate uh and the times that they're living in um aren't open to that there's a tremendous amount of change um you know the growth of um of um you know christianity which has its views of of you know, certain things in, in, in this story. And, um, and it really comes down to these people who are judged by their cover versus who they really are. And, um, and so they're kind of run out of town. And, and what I like about it is is they don't take it laying down. They decide that they are going to, um, you know, to do something about it. And, uh, and at the end of the story... You know, it's a it's an incredibly uplifting story, um, you know, about people who who have been shunned and wronged, but it's served up in an incredible, incredible world that you've never seen before. And that's hard to say these days, but you've definitely never seen it before. So um, I'm excited about that because it's it's actually a very it's what I was saying earlier about things that really resonate to me. um, And it's so different. You know it's the same theme but it's so different know know your parameters right know your own parameters because you are always going to get forces pushing against you you're always going to get things that are going to come up the last minute you're always going to get things that you're um you know you're not going to expect and So I think the important thing is to really know, you know, a lot of, one of the things really know the finished thought really know where it is your, your limits are. Right. Um, One of the things that we like to say is, is everybody making the same movie? Right. So if you, you know, you could get a group of people together and you find out later, ah, you know, they're, they've got a whole a whole other set of ideas that I wasn't really aware of, you know, and so now it's like, oh, man, you know, now you're having to fight against somebody who you've hired, you know, to make your, you know, make your movie and, um, and, you know, so, so the pressure a lot of times will come, uh, you know, from that kind of thing, you know, where you discover that, um, you know, there's other, you know, other agendas and other things. And, you know, it really just kind of gets down to um, understanding um, what it is you set out to do. And pressure is going to come no matter what. I mean, as I said, there's a lot of nail biting that goes on. And I think a lot of times with experience um, comes instincts and, and so I would say for me, I rely a lot on my instincts and those instincts start in, a, in, a, in the beginning of a project early on where I was saying earlier, you hire the right people, hire the right team. And, and then when the pressure comes, you're living it together with people that you know are going to be there with you and um are going to help because it's it's a very 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 much a team effort and you got to trust the people around you so um that is a big part of this is making sure you've got the right people that are going to get you through those hard times because they are going to come. I mean look there's clearly a big shift that's been happening right and it's and and COVID really ramped you know ramped that up. I think being a writer director is a great, great strength, Um, you know, because being the writer of something you're going to direct those parameters that I've been talking about, you've already set, you know, for yourself really as a writer, you know, you're, you know, you're the one that's put the thing together. So you probably have a pretty good idea of what, you know, what you're willing to compromise and what you're not, you know, going to compromise on. And um, so I think that's a you know that's a really good thing to be more um, seen. I mean I think the shift that's happening is is clearly uh, less star driven things. Um, you know, ideas. I think I think in a healthy way. Um, you know, we're now starting to see really great stuff getting made that aren't that isn't dependent on you know, on a, on a person, you know, on an actor or personality, whatever. And what a wonderful thing, you know? Um, I mean, I think, you know, movie stars and stars can definitely help get things made and they do every day. Um, but being able to be a person that's generating ideas and not have to solely think about who you're writing for, but, you know, really focus on the character I think is a, is a lovely thing. That's um, that's, I think been a benefit you know that's been a benefit to all of us being able to see some great stuff that's happened in the streaming world so and expanded stories so i think um you're living in a good time you know you're you know it's a good time um you know for all of you guys because there's more stuff being made now um all price points all different things you got you know, you got smaller movies, you got bigger movies, um, that the studios are doing, but you also got, uh, you know, you have all different kinds of ways to tell stories through all of the, um, I would say through all the cultural changes that we're now seeing that people want to see, you know, like you didn't see them, you, you know, it was more, more, you know, more narrow. So now it's like, it's, it's opened up a lot and it's it's going to continue to open up so i i think you know to me you're all living in a really wonderful time to be able to go for uh stories that don't necessarily have to be the biggest best commercial idea ever you know it's just got to be a great story or a great series or a great mini series and there's many different ways to serve it up you know you got a movie idea you got a mini series idea you got a a TV series that might be, you may have, you know, mapped it out for five seasons. Um, there's many more avenues for stories and for different kinds of stories that are going to resonate to different part, different people in our culture. And I think that's fantastic. I think we are absolutely living in an amazing time where so much is opening. And I think as writers, as directors, as whatever your skill set is, um, it's a it's a you know lovely time to be you know be doing this. The film industry in Israel is growing in leaps and bounds. There's so many interesting things that are happening happening in Israel, and it's it's funny because look at shows like uh, you've got like Tehran, um, you know that's happening now, hugely popular, right? Um, you've got so you know you've got you know Fauda that went off the chart. You know, all these things that are, you know, that are happening, that are coming out of that region. You know, I mean, that's the thing. And now you've got this whole openness of the Middle East starting to partner with Israel. So there's those industries like in, you know, in um, Abu Dhabi and in and it's going to it's going to happen in Saudi Arabia. It's happening in Qatar. um, It's happening all over the Middle East their film industries are growing big time. And, uh, and so I, you know, and with these partnerships now opening up um, I think there's opportunities there to find funding, you know, but to also find people that want to advance these stories because there aren't many of them. So, you know, my suggestion would be to focus on that region because of how much it's grown and um, and see if you make any headway there. Great advice. I came from the period of time where, where, you know, we were doing music videos and every advertising executive um, who had only worked with solid experienced commercial directors were sitting there watching MTV, clicking through MTV, you know, watching and and going, Oh, I got to get that director. I got to get that director, you know? So doesn't matter whether you've not done features before, or you've done longer format. You know, you, you're you know you're telling stories. Um, so people that say you've never done a feature before, I mean that's crazy. I mean, I, you know, I'm talking to a director now. It's never done a feature before. It's like, you know, it's all about the it's all about the the script and and who's right. And so the the bottom line is is that if somebody's telling you that they're not the right person. They're not, they're not, they do not seeing what you're, you know, what you're capable of. So you got to move on. Really don't waste your time and don't let these people, um, you know, say that to you because that's just an easy way out. You know, that's an easy way out. Um, there people, everybody starts somewhere. Everybody starts somewhere. I mean, executives start somewhere, you know, so, uh, you know, If they were told that, then they wouldn't be executives today, right? You know, like, oh, you've never been an executive before. I mean, it's, you know, it's ludicrous to me. You know, so I think it's, I I would much rather hear an executive say, listen, it's not for us. You know what I mean? It's not for us. It's not something that's right for us. It's not something that we're, you know, we're focusing on um, rather than, well, you've never done a feature before. Where do you go with that? You know, I, I mean, that's crazy. So I think you just got to find the right people to talk to and, and pitch to the right people. You're going to find somebody, you know, um, but you really uh, at the end of the day uh, have to take those kinds of things with a grain of salt because that's just not, there isn't one person in any career, no matter what it is, that's doing what they did doing today. That ha- they, and there was a day where they didn't do it. You know what I mean? you know so you know so that's you know crazy and don't let those people discourage you because that's just not the that's not uh it's not even a valuable thing to say to someone
1: scott thank you so much for being with us always love chatting with you
0: you're very welcome great to have the group Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Entertainment Business Wisdom. We invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Please like, review, and share it with your friends and colleagues. Kaya Alexander can be reached on Twitter for your questions or comments at This Is Kaya. Get entertainment business career training, as well as a free special report, how to pitch anything in one minute, at www.entertainmentbusinessleague.com
1: business Thank you.